When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 411 of Sustainable Minimalists, a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist living. On today's show, we are once and for all finding freedom from our to-do lists. Now, a listener to this show, a member of our community, her name is Corey, she wrote to me and she said, I'm paraphrasing, but quote, to-do lists are probably the thing that overwhelms me the most. What happens is that I get all this incredible information from friends and books and podcasts, and then I also have general housekeeping things. My daughter needs a new jacket, etc., I've always been a to-do list person, and my seven-year-old daughter is too, and I see my own habits directly through her. I would like some freedom from my to-do list. I never get to all the things, and therefore, I never truly relax. Well, Corey, I've got you today. There are lots of methods out there for staying organized and managing our time. Bullet journals, paper planners, phone apps hundreds of color-coded post-its. We're going to talk about some of those today, by the way. And lists in particular, they get a lot of attention, don't they? Whenever we have multiple tasks to get done, it is human nature to make a list. And that's because the to-do list can be an indispensable tool to manage our time. Research does find that lists are therapeutic to us human beings. They help us organize and structure our time, yes, but they also give us focus and direction and purpose while boosting our self-esteem, lowering anxiety, and helping with ADHD symptoms. However, if you've ever felt overwhelmed by your to-do list, you know that to-do lists can often sometimes exacerbate the stress. According to procrastination researcher Timothy Pitchell, people often write out these to-do lists and then sit back and put their feet up. Drawing up the list becomes a way of procrastinating, of avoiding the work. This is called the procrastination field in which we're preparing ourselves to work, we're getting all set and all ready to take it on, but we never actually start doing it. Instead, we waste time and then we feel terrible about it. So if you're a procrastinator, a list can actually make you procrastinate more. And if you're not a procrastinator, a list can still hinder you. And that's because if your to-do list is too long, you may get overwhelmed and get nothing done at all. This, by the way, relates to research into shopping. If shoppers are faced with too many choices, they're less likely to buy anything at all. 
Now, the productivity problem is especially challenging these days, I would say. Many of us are working from home. We have less structure in our days than usual. And so I believe and I find in my own life that it's easier than ever to be busy all day and still not make progress on the critical work. So today, when we talk about finding freedom from our to-do list, I have a four-step process for you. And in step three, specifically, I'm offering up four different and research-backed tweaks to your to-do list that do have documented benefits. So if your current way, sounds like you, Corey, if your current way of juggling all of life's balls, let's say, is it working for you, we'll get to those four research-backed tweaks in step three. So let's get right in of course, to step one, finding freedom from your to-do list. Step one is a concrete one. Keep your daily to-do list to seven items or less. Seven or less. So if you have a to-do list that's 12, 15, 20 things long, you gotta cut it down to seven. The reason is that research finds our brain starts to get overwhelmed as soon as we have more than seven things to choose from. Modern productivity has led us to believe a lie. The lie is that action equals progress. But if you've ever, again, walked around the house fidgeting here, doing something there, you know that action does not always equal progress because there is this thing in life called busy work. We're told that if we accomplish as much as possible in a day, we'll feel accomplished at the end of the day. However, if we do more and what we're doing is not aligned with the bigger picture, what really happens is we're feeling drained, anxious, distracted. And so if your to-do list has an awful lot of items on it, you may enter days saying, where did this day go? What really mattered here? What's the bigger picture? What's the purpose? And when we feel overwhelmed, we naturally imagine. We've been trained to believe that when you feel overwhelmed, what you need to do is you need to get moving. You need to act. You need to attack the to-do list and you need to beat it. This can and often leads to us spending tremendous amounts of time and energy And perhaps we're spending our time and energy on the wrong things. So step one right here and now is to commit to a to-do list every day that is seven items or less. Let some items go right off the bat. Give yourself grace and know that you cannot do all the things. This can be really hard. I know because I am not a let things go type of person. I have had to consciously retrain my brain to see the value in surrendering, so to speak. And I'll also say too, this is not a story-heavy episode, but I just want to say that when I look back to when my daughters were younger, that was when I had the hardest time letting go. And I can see now, because hindsight, of course, is twenty twenty, that my white-knuckle grip on all the things that needed to get done was actually me trying to exert some sense of control in a season of life that was, in my opinion, remarkably out of control. Some people thrive as parents of young children, but I did not, and that's an understatement. Life felt unbelievably out of control when they were young, like I'm thinking toddler and newborn stages. And so looking back now, I realized that 
I clung to my to-do list. I clung to minimalism when my days were complete chaos. And I can only realize that now, again, because I'm out of the trenches. If you had told me back then that I needed to let some stuff go, I would have laughed in your face, probably. (laughs) My adherence to minimalism, tidying, those were ways that I could take back some control. And so these days, I'm not in the trenches anymore. My kids are older. I have some freedom, some space to breathe. And so number one, it's easy for me, of course, to look back and have these revelations. But number two, it's also easier for me to let go of my to-do list items that aren't in the big scheme of life all that important. This is the beauty of getting older, isn't it? Getting older gives us perspective. I know now that little to-dos can be let go of and life will still be okay. So if you're in the trenches now, Corey, that might be you. If you're struggling to stay afloat, you might not be there. That's okay. I do suggest, however, that perhaps you go inward, find your motivations for holding on to your to-do list with that white-knuckle grip, And remember that whenever you feel stuck or overwhelmed in life, it is most likely not the case that you're not doing enough. It's rather the case that you're doing too much. And so what you're really doing is you're crowding out your clarity. So do less. Seven things on your to-do list or less each day. Research finds that when there's more than seven things, human beings get overwhelmed. So that's step one. Step two is to focus not on efficiency. Don't focus on being efficient. Focus on being intentional. So focus not on efficiency, focus on intentionality. If you are on board with the realization that you can do up to seven things a day, but you can't do all the things, then it's really important that we get really intentional about what gets put on the list. Right? We need to prioritize. If we're only putting seven things on our list, they got to be the most important things. We live in a culture that places so much importance on action, right? On doing, on completing tasks, crushing goals. And completing tasks and crushing goals is great and all, but only if we first spend some real effort understanding why we're here, what our purpose is, and what matters most. <laughs> I came across a great quote. It's by poet and monk Thomas Merton. The quote is, people may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find once they reach the top that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. It's not about doing, 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 even though that's what American culture preaches. It's about doing only what's aligned with your purpose. It's putting only what's aligned with the bigger picture on your daily to-do list. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, laundry is not (laughs) aligned with my higher purpose, but I still have to get it done. It still has to go on the to-do list. And I hear that. Being the best launderer might not be your higher purpose, but perhaps your purpose is creating that safe, comfortable home that flows. Perhaps that's your purpose, to set the stage for your children to grow and thrive in peace and harmony. That might be your purpose in this season of life. And if so, getting the laundry done is a tool to make that happen. When we're acting with no intent behind the action, the act, the illusion of progress, I should say, does come at 
the cost of things that are most important to us, like peace and connection and fulfillment. Step two is about intentionally inserting joy into your days. Yes, I always say too, write what makes you happy on your to-do list. Make sure the things that light you up are on your to-do list every single day. There's something about writing it down and crossing it off that makes sure for me that it gets done. Yes, I write meditate on my to-do list every day. Yes, exercise is on my to-do list every day. Yes, sometimes I even put read my book on my to-do list or walk my dog so that I'm ensure that these things that do indeed light me up get done. So yes, we're intentionally inserting joy into our to-do list and therefore into our lives, but I also want you to take the bigger picture in mind. And we've talked about this on previous episodes. I'll link to them in the show notes. Edit Your Life with Elizabeth Sharp Maketo was one that comes to mind, but I'll link to them in the show notes. Keeping the bigger picture in mind, keeping the cathedral in mind, if this makes any sense to you, you want to build a cathedral? Well, there's countless steps that need to go into the creation of the cathedral, the cathedral, of course, being your life's work. So inserting intention into your to-do list means that the tiny little steps that need to happen so that you can eventually make the cathedral, those steps get put onto your to-do list, like buy the nails, (laughs) consult the architect. Those little things need to go onto your daily to-do list. So at the end of your life, let's say, the cathedral does indeed get built. That's inserting intention into your to-do list. So it's not on efficiency. It's not on crossing off all the things. It's on making sure the most important things get put onto your daily lists. All right, so we're moving on to step three, but before we do, we're going to take our ad break. Step three is all about listing out some different tweaks to your to-do list that make might make you more intentional and more efficient. So we're going to move on to step three after a quick sponsor break. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection 
They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we're back on today's show. We're discussing finally, once and for all, finding freedom from our to-do lists in a four-step process. Before the break, we discussed steps one and two. Step one, of course, being minimize your to-do list. Keep it to seven items or less. That was step one. Step two, of course, is to focus on intent. Don't focus on efficiency. Focus on intentionality. Now we're on to step three, which is tweak your to-do list system. Tweak the system to make it work for you. So in step three, I have four options, which I know can sound kind of confusing, a lot of numbers there. But there are different ways to to do list, right? There's different ways to to do list. And depending on your personality, your motivations, different systems work for different people. No one method is better than the other. What works for you depends on your quirks and your habits and what you're trying to accomplish. So I'm going to lay out four different ways to handle, you know, living essentially. And I suggest you experiment with them. Try them on, see which one works best for you. Option one is time boxing. Time boxing is best for people who need some structure, like some structure, and who aren't afraid of having a crowded calendar. Now, time boxing is not a list. It's a calendar. You're going to break your day into hour-long chunks, and you're going to schedule your heart out. Daniel Markovitz is the brain behind time boxing, and he says that there's lots of benefits to migrating your to-do list into your calendar. And the main reason is that time boxing allows you to be more in control. This is especially important at work because research finds that control, or a better way of saying control would be autonomy, autonomy is one of the biggest drivers of happiness at work. Constant interruptions make us less happy and less productive, so time boxing is the antidote to this. You get to decide what you're going to do and when you're going to do it, and you're going to block off and block out all distractions for that time period. So if you use a calendar on the computer, like Google calendars, for example, you're going to take what you traditionally put on your to-do list, and you're going to schedule those to-do list items onto your calendar. So from 9 to 10, you're going to video conference with your daughter's teacher. From 10 to 11, you're going to work on that big presentation that's due on Friday. From 11 to 12, you're going to eat lunch and take a walk around the block. You see where I'm going with this. You're blocking out your time in hour-long chunks. Just make sure that you're inserting some blank space into your calendar to relax. For some people, people who thrive when they have autonomy, for people who appreciate having structure in their days, time boxing may be 
more effective for you than a simple to-do list. So option one is time boxing. Option number two is the just one thing method. The just one thing method is perfect for people who are easily distracted. It was popularized by Peter Bregman, and I will link to him in this week's show notes. I'll link to his book in the show notes. But research does indeed find, reminder, that our brains get overwhelmed as soon as we have more than seven things to choose from. So the just one thing method, also known as the post-it method, is a way of keeping you from getting overwhelmed. Step one is to make a to-do list. (laughs) and make a really long to-do list. Every single thing that's on your mind that needs to get done, I want you to write it down. You could have 20 things. You could have 50 things, okay? So if you have a lot of things, write them all down. But know that this list is just a reference. So once you have everything written down, you're gonna take one of the items, your choice. Take one item, you're gonna write it on a Post-it note, you're gonna put the Post-it note in your site and you're going to hide the really long to-do list. If the thing that's on your to-do list is a really big item that should and can be split into smaller steps, like let's say write a book, you're not going to put write a book on the post-it note. You're going to first break the write a book into smaller steps, put those smaller steps on the to-do list, and then pick one of the smaller steps to then write on the post-it note. So you're going to work on what's on the post-it note. You're going to look at the post-it note. You're going to complete the task that you wrote on the post-it note. And when you've completed it, you're going to crumple up the post-it note and throw it in the trash. Yes, by the way, this method does come with a lot of waste, but we'll leave that there. You're going to throw the post-it note out because you completed it. And you're going to then again reference your to-do list and pick another item off of it and put it on a post-it note. So that is the just one thing method in a nutshell. You're doing just one thing at a time. Advocates of this method argue that it limits indecision and it results in super high focus, which again, of course, yields a high task completion rate. This method can also I must say, be difficult if you're somebody who has a lot of meetings throughout your day because you can't work on the post-it note if you keep getting interrupted by meetings. But what I like about this option, especially for you, Corey, because you say you have a really long to-do list, is that the long to-do list is not a must-do list. It's more of just a memory list to remind you of all the balls that you're juggling, let's say. When you view the to-do list as a reminder list and not as a hard and fast, I must get all of this done today list, you take the overwhelm out of planning your days. So that's option two. Option three is the three list approach. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh my God, one list is bad enough. Now you want me to make three? (laughs) Well, the three list approach is best for people who have a lot of competing priorities And also for people who don't need a lot of support to stay focused. So the three-list approach was popularized by Alison Rim, and she argues that just one to-do list is not adequate for managing our complicated lives. Our lists are crammed with the urgent priorities that must get done right away, also with the important tasks that we don't want to forget about, perhaps like you, Corey, buying your daughter a new jacket. Uh, And also the basic tasks that we add to the list because we like to check things off, like laundry, let's say. 
And so instead of working off of one list in which all of these different tasks and priorities are lumped into, again, one list, RIM suggests instead that you keep three lists. List one is for the important but not time-sensitive tasks, so the things you need to do eventually but maybe not today. That's list one. List two is for the tasks that you absolutely must need to complete today. And then list three is for tasks that have been on your to-do list forever, but you're never going to get done anytime soon. So once you make your three lists, you start with list number two. List two, again, being the tasks that need to get done today. So schedule the tasks you need to get done today on your calendar, similar to time boxing, which was option one. And then once you finish all of that, take list number one, which again, list number one was the important but not time sensitive tasks, and schedule them in for future dates. So on Wednesday at 10 p.m., I'm going to go buy my daughter that jacket that she's been looking for. Next Monday at 2 o'clock, I'm going to do, I don't know, insert some other important but not time sensitive task. By scheduling your tasks like this, You're acknowledging, again, that your time is valuable but finite. You're also more likely to complete meaningful work and throw away work that doesn't need to get done, hence the creation of list number three. We're prioritizing. Not all items on our to-do list are created equal. They don't all hold the same weight. And so that brings me to option number four, which I call rank ordering or the priority list. This is what I do every day. It's very similar to option three, the three list approach, but I believe it's simpler. And essentially when we're rank ordering, well, first of all, let me say rank ordering is best for people who need help prioritizing, who do tend to believe that all items on the list are of equal weight, right? So we've got to prioritize because not all tasks are created equal. If you are a person who looks at the to-do list and feels like it's all urgent, it feels like it all needs to get done right away, just know, first of all, that that's not true. And prioritizing the items on your list is a really great way to get done what needs to get done. And if the rest of the stuff doesn't get done, it's okay. So first step is to look at your to-do list and ask yourself, what on here is urgent? Put the urgent stuff at the top of the list, okay? If you're not sure what's a priority, this is another thing that I had to teach myself. If you're not sure what's a priority, go inward, look inside for some clues. I learned that, you know, the things that are priorities are the things that I often don't want to do, the things that I've come up against some inner resistance to. Maybe, you know, I take a big sigh when I think about it, or my chest tightens up, my anxiety starts to be palpable. Those are often the things that I need to prioritize and just get done. And so those things go on the top of my list to get done first. I love Mark Twain's advice, eat the frog first. I'm not going to go through the whole quote right now, but eating the frog first means you're doing the thing that you don't want to do first in the day, because once it's done, you can breathe that sigh of relief, you can cross it off, and you can let go of the anxiety that's associated with doing this dreaded task, whatever it is. 
Eat the frog first. Do the thing you don't want to do but needs to get done. Do that thing first. Now, when we're prioritizing, you may find that there's items on your list that need to get done, but they don't need to get done today. I do not need to clean out my linen closet today. I need to do it at some point because it's a hot mess, but maybe not today. So keep it on the list. And as you're making tomorrow's list, perhaps you put that up further on your rank order list. Perhaps it moves up the list and becomes closer to a priority. I should say here too that we're moving into a increasingly digitized world in which everything is on the computer, calendars, etc. For me, I really enjoy my rank ordered prioritized list that's on paper because it feels so good to cross things off, right? It the feeling that I get from crossing something off is not the same feeling that I get from marking a task complete on my Google Calendar. It's just not the same. Research finds that checking off tasks or literally with a pen crossing tasks off, I cross them out really hard and make marks in the paper behind it, but crossing off or checking off tasks releases dopamine in our brains. Dopamine, of course, is that neurotransmitter that makes us feel happy. And so if you get immense satisfaction of crossing things off, then make sure that your to-do list is on physical paper. Because the dopamine that's released when you cross something off and finish a task is the motivation for you, is the intrinsic motivation for you to keep going. So that's rank ordering. Just to recap our four to-do list tweaks that we just talked about, option one, time boxing. Option number two was the just one thing method, aka the post-it notes. Option three, the three-list approach. You're making three lists. And option four was just have one list, but rank order it. Rank order by priority. And now we're on to step four, to finding freedom from your to-do list. And this, in my opinion, is the most important step. It's a quick one, but it's one that none of us ever do because <laughs> we're a strap for time. And step four is to find time for reflection. Reflection is where it all comes together. Reflection helps us understand ourselves and our opportunities and the real down and dirty nature of what's important versus what's fluff in our lives. So even though reflection is where it all comes together, even though reflection is the building block, the foundation of an intentional life, most of us are horrible at reflection, aren't we? <laughs> reflection takes time. First of all, we don't have a lot of it. Reflection can be uncomfortable, sitting with our thoughts without our phone. Heck no. And so we just skip it. But I'm urging you all, and I'm giving myself a reminder right now, to not skip the reflection piece. The problem here too, I must say, reflection doesn't lead to tangible, visible results right away, does it? And so we've been trained for quick wins, short-term completion. However, the benefits of reflection tend to take years, maybe decades to come to fruition. I'm thinking about the cathedral again. While action, doing something with our hands or our minds is concrete and leads to quick visible results, reflection takes that time. And so remember, it is hard to grasp 
how well we invest our time in the moment. When we waste time, we're not going into any quantifiable time debt that we can see and measure. When we save time, we're not accumulating more time. We're just going to take that save time and spend it on another activity. We don't have a bank account for time. And so it can seem as though time is always there, but it's not. And so the reflection piece is how we really get intentional about whether we're spending our most valuable and precious finite resource on the right things. Now, here is the best way, are you ready, to find out whether you are spending your most valuable and finite resource on the right things, and it is to pay attention to the secondary effects on your life. When you reflect, when you take the time to reflect on how much joy and peace and purpose, and dare I even say happiness you're experiencing in your days, you can get a real good sense if you're investing your time in the right areas. So sit down at the end of the day and ask yourself, were there moments of joy? And were there enough moments of joy? How peaceful do I feel right now and throughout the day? Am I living my purpose? Take the time to reflect, because if the answer is, yep, I feel that joy, that peace, that purpose, that happiness, and I feel the right amount of it. That is your cue to know that you are scheduling your days and you are tackling your to-do list in a way that's balanced. But if at the end of the day, you're saying you're doing your reflection, you're doing your check-in and you're like, oh, I was so stressed out today. Oh, where's the joy? Where's the peace? I am frazzled. I am on the edge of a cliff. I'm at the end of my rope. That's your clue to insert more of the things that make you happy into your to-do list and take off the things that are not essential. Take off the to-do list tasks that are not essential. And so my final word for you, Corey, specifically, and for everyone today comes from a Peloton instructor. (laughs) I was on the treadmill yesterday. I was running and Selena Samuela, if you know her, to know her is to love her. Coach Selena Samuela said something that made me get off my treadmill, go upstairs, find a pen and write it down. Yes, I got off the treadmill and paused my workout to write this down because I just thought to myself, whoa, Corey, you need to hear this. Selena Samuela said, quote, the life you live is the lesson you teach. And so to Corey specifically, I'm willing to bet that you want your daughter to see you relaxed sometimes. I'm willing to bet you don't want her to live an adult life that's tethered to a never-ending to-do list. I bet you want her to feel the joy and peace and purpose and again, dare I say, happiness in her childhood, her teenage years, and of course, her adult life. So how do we get there? It's by modeling the life that you want her to lead eventually, because the life you're living right now is the life you're teaching her to aspire to. So read a book on the couch some afternoons. Put your feet up. Take time for yourself. You don't want to tether your daughter to a life of do, 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 right? Be the lesson you seek to teach by making sure that on your to-do list, Corey, that's seven items or less each day, 
you're putting at least one or two things that light you up, bring you joy, and make you feel more peace inside. Because remember, your daughter's always watching and the life you live is the lesson you teach. That's our show today. I so hope I helped you, Corey, and everybody else who needs some more freedom from their to-do lists. We do have some quick eco tips today. A few listeners wrote to me about the deodorants they use. Patty emailed me and she said she uses Fat and the Moon's deodorant for sensitive people. She loves it. It comes in glass with a metal lid and it lasts forever. So I've linked to Fat and the Moon in the show notes. Great suggestion. I had never heard of them. So thank you. Listener Renee also wrote to me about deodorant and she said that she uses Himalayan salt stone, which she says works great and comes with minimal packaging and lasts a long time. Another suggestion I had never heard of. So thank you, Renee. Thank you, Patty. Again, I've linked to them both in the show notes. If you're looking for a natural and minimally packaged product. Check out those too. I'll see you tomorrow for headlines. As always, email me or reach out on social media at Sustainable Minimalist if you need me. See you tomorrow and take care.